Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. everybody this would be the jeff cameron show right here 93.3 real talk radio war chat tv libations friday loosey goosey edition approaching the new year new content yes this is not live if you're driving around tallahassee right now it's pre-recorded need to get that out of the way for the fcc purposes but it is uh same day so much like yesterday away we go with tom wang and myself and let's address florida state as they get set to take on georgia Tom, I know you there in New York are not going to have this sort of interaction, but I'm having it everywhere I go right now, which is to say people coming up to me in stores and at restaurants and anywhere I'm out and about and saying, who's going to play? Do we have any chance to make this a game? What the hell is going on? (laughs) And it is a weird time because I don't have great answers for them. I just don't. Yeah, you know, like if you look at the offensive depth chart, it's crazy. Like it's, I don't know how they're going to generate any consistency of ball movement. Um, actually, we have it. I'll put it on the screen for those watching on Warchant TV. Mm. But it, like I said yesterday, it's almost like the other team in the spring game. It's like, you know, there's the one team that's loaded up and then there's the other group. That's kind of what they're working with here. And to me, the, the question I have is while – Darius Washington is listed as a starter at left tackle and Maury Smith is listed as the starter at center. That's wonderful if they play, but Maurice has been playing very hurt this season. So how much is he really going to be out there and be in the rotation? Like the, the offense is a mess and you've got it one running back position, two wide receivers. Ja'Kai Douglas is one of your co-starting running backs. Uh, it's um, Jackson West is one of your starting tight ends in this game. Like it's, it's a bit of a mess, but on defense on the other side of the ball, You've got, outside of Jared Verse and Akeem Dent missing, you've got some pretty good players across the board. It would appear the linebackers are going to start for Florida State. The defensive interior should be if, if Braden Fisk plays. They've got him on the marquee for this game on their social media. So if he plays with Daryl Jackson, Josh Farmer, you're pretty good up the middle. The defense might be able to keep you in this thing for a half, but the offense, I, I don't know. The, the, the answer is who knows who's playing and for how long. Uh, the who knows who's playing and for how long is the big part of this. You're right to suggest that a combination of Daryl Jackson and Braden Fisk is a good one. Uh, it is. It is uh, top-notch, in fact. In fact, had we had it all year long, Florida State would have been even more dominant on the defensive line than they already were. Conflicting reports about whether or not Farmer plays, Tom. We just don't know if he's going to play or not. Uh, so I don't hold my breath anymore. I never know with that kid uh, where his head's at. We, that's public. Everybody knows that, right? It just follows Twitter feed. So you just never really know what that kid's going to do. Um, I've also been kind of fishing about, 
I don't know how much these linebackers are going to play. So if all of a sudden you're looking at linebacker and it's not Bethune and Deloach for a lot of it, and instead it's Blake Nicholson and Omar Graham Mm -hmm. against Georgia. Right, yeah. And it's Kevin Knowles. Well, what was it? So what's interesting? Yeah, I know where you're going with this. Uh, Akeem <laughs> Bent was an important piece to the defensive back rotation this season. Kind of important. <laughs> Made a difference when he wasn't out there. Uh, the one good thing I saw about Kevin Knowles on the two deep is he's listed as the lead man in the slot, slot corner. He was a much better slot corner than he has been a safety. Uh, that's because Jerry on Jones, who oddly enough announced that he was going to play in the Orange Bowl, and then he didn't make the two deep, and now he says. After the two deep came out, he's like, I'm not playing in the Orange Bowl. Like, yeah, you're not on the list, man. I, I suppose that that you're not playing. Uh, it, it's just a matter of they've got a lot of guys defensively on the top line that are good players. Like Patrick Payton, again, is, is top line starter on the two deep for the defense. If they all play the normal amount of snaps that they play, you can get some stops in this game. But uh, we'll see. Every drive, if you're going to watch this game tomorrow, and I know a lot of Knowles who are deciding not to, but if you're going to watch this game tomorrow, every drive you got to do a head count and see what numbers are on the field, both offense and defense, because I would imagine there's going to be a lot of substituting going on. Well, I want to point out to people that uh, you absolutely should watch the game. I mean, understand. I mean, be a grown-ups about this situation. Florida State's probably not going to win this game. Florida State's probably not going to come close to winning this game. Um you understand that we've watched some bad teams and bad situations in the past, but it's your team. And there's a chance to learn something about kids that will be playing for you next year. Kids that are going to get opportunities to play a bigger role for you next year. And kids who maybe emerge as a reason to be excited about next year. Um, Now I, I have a lot of reasons to be excited about next year. I have a suspicion that Florida state's going to do very well in the portal. Uh, this is who they are. They're very good in the portal. They're still not great with high school recruiting. They're getting better, but they still have some failures there that continue to plague them. I'm really tired of that nonsense, by the way. It's going to be a different conversation moving forward. I'm, I'm done with that nonsense. But that said, um, th- there's some changes they need to make over there. But they are really good in the portal, consistently really good in the portal. And I do believe that there are players out there and we are in once again, we we dipped our toes back into the wild, wild West here um, because of the unlimited transfer rule that the NCAA passed, which is the most asinine thing in the world. Uh, Nobody is able to really put together, cobble together a roster that they can trust is going to be their roster moving forward, going into a season. But if there's one group that has proven time and again, that they have the right pitch that they are saying the right things and that they are convincing guys that this is the right place to get the most out of their abilities, to take a step forward and improve their draft stock. That place would be Florida state. And I think that they're probably going to hit some home runs there. So long-term I feel pretty good that they'll fill many holes that this roster now has either because of attrition, graduation, NFL transfer, whatever it might be. The Florida State will be able to fill a lot of those holes and have a good football team next year. We'll see if it's good to great or good to or average to good, but it's going to be it'll be a plus team. I, I just for now the problem you have is again the sheer numbers, but watch for the younger players to see how much better they are. This is elite competition. I don't know who's not playing for Georgia. That's another thing is you'll have to check their roster and compare it to our roster. And okay, this guy's oh they don't have a guy here either. Oh okay. I do know it does look like their starting quarterbacks playing. 
and we're playing a true freshman against that Georgia roster. So uh, that that is a a loss waiting to happen. It is. Um, I look forward to watching the game because I think this is going to benefit a lot of the younger players. I do too. In, I do too. You know, their career. I don't think that's idle talk from a coaching staff. You know, I don't think that that is sunshine pumping from a coaching staff. I think that's real. The benefit of playing this game for Brock Glenn is massive. Uh, if Destin Hill and he was on the top line on the offense as one of the starting receivers, that is a, this is a big moment for him. If Hakeem is healthy enough to play, he's on the two deep, but he's not listed as a starter. I found that kind of interesting. But if he's in the rotation, he can play. It's a big moment for him. How about Kaziah Holmes, who we really like as a running back? If if if, can most of, if most of your starting five is out there in front of him, then he might turn some heads and make a couple of plays. Like this is it's a game about investing for the future. I'd be stunned if at the end of the third quarter we're in this thing. I would, I would love to. it. But you know, we'll we'll see. I think the line is correct. It's been creeping up. Uh, it's over 20, I think, as of Friday morning. Jeez, and I think please. that's uh, that's about correct. The, the question is, and you'll know this, and, and this is something that happens in the course of a season when you play maybe an FCS team or a low-level FBS team. Sometimes the coaching staff is coaching just to get out of there. Run it into the middle of the line of scrimmage, get the clock running, and let's get out of Dodge. And I wonder if Kirby is going to coach that way or if they're going to want to maximize the amount of plays that they run. I would assume we're going to try and keep the clock running on offense tomorrow. My hope is that both coaches do that. Um, you know, I don't it's very interesting to me how you approach this game. If you're Mike, you know, you always coach. Now, one thing Mike did, even when he had bad teams in his first couple of years here, this was a bad roster. Mike played to win. I mean, he never, you know, and why do I bring that up? And somebody listening might say, well, you always play to win. Eh, there are plenty of coaches out there who don't always play to win. They play not to get blown the hell out. And there's a big difference. Um, if you're throwing the ball around the lot down 28 in the second, in the second half, um, you're playing as if you're trying to come back and win a football game yep. that is probably beyond reachable uh, as a goal. If you're playing not to get blown out any worse than you are currently being blown out, you run the ball into the middle of the line and you run that play clock down and you shorten the hell out of a game that you're down three touchdowns. Mike always played to win when they were down in big, down big in games. He would play to win. And I would think I'd shudder sometimes and be like, Mike, this could get into the 60s if you're not careful, buddy. You know, and I admired that about him, though. I did. I admired that about him. I don't know what you're trying to prove to, tomorrow. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, let, let's let's see if they're in the game. This is why, you know, gambling on uh, bowl games is, is interesting because, you know, there, there's storylines about what's a coach playing for, what's a team playing for. Is the coach trying to rally the locker room? Like, for example, yesterday in, in the Fenway Bowl, Rhett Lashley's down nine. It's inside two minutes. Boston College has the ball. They've just achieved a first down. They're in the red zone. Again, it's first down. He's got two timeouts. He uses both timeouts the way Harbaugh did in mm -hmm. 2016 when we played Michigan in, in the Orange Bowl. And I think that's about sending a message to his players about we don't give up, we play to the last play. Like, things like that. Bowl games have weird dynamics like that. Sometimes for no good reason, a coach is sending a message and sometimes a coach says no mas and the game's over. So watching back and forth the interaction between Kirby and Mike tomorrow will be interesting. Mike does cut it loose. You're right. Early in his career here, he, he did cut it loose and they called the game to protect the ball for Brock. I wonder if tomorrow they call the game to be aggressive and see what Brock can do. It's, well, it's, fascinating for, it's fascinating for all the non-playoff reasons tomorrow. You know, I think, Tom, that's the story. You just hit on it, buddy. I love this. I, if he calls the game as if, okay, look, we had something to lose in the ACC championship game. 
right? There, there was something at stake. You thought you were fighting for a playoff spot and you were trying to win the conference championship to complete the undefeated season. And there's a lot to lose there. And you have a true freshman quarterback making his first ever career start thrown into the fire because your quarterback Tate Bottomaker didn't pass the concussion protocol. You thought he was going to pass the concussion protocol all week leading up to that game. And then later in the week, it got the more nervous whispers around the program were that, man, it's he's not passing this test right now. In fact, it's going to be a game day decision. He's got to try to pass the concussion protocol at lunchtime. And if he doesn't do it, it's Brock's start. Well, that tells me a couple things. It means Brock didn't get the, the reps as the one leading up to or have a game plan prepared for him. Right. So they didn't, they just, they really thought Tate was going to start that game. And then it didn't happen. Okay. So the first play from scrimmage against Louisville, Braden Fisk fires through the line, blows up two offensive linemen, heaves the running back to the ground six yards in the backfield. All right. Second and 16. He caps off that drive or that lack of a drive for Louisville with another dominant play. So all of a sudden, you've got an indicator they can't block Braden Fisk, they can't block him. All right, well, here's a problem. If you can't block him, that opens things up for verse. So now we've got a situation where you're in trouble offensively. You really, you're a one-handed team at this point. you got to go the other way. Well, we got a guy over there too. Peyton can play a little bit, guys. So all of a sudden, within five minutes of that game starting, Mike Norvell knew Louisville couldn't play, that they were not going to score, that they were going to have a hard, barring a busted player, a special teams thing, they were not going to score. That allowed him to call the game as conservatively as he did. Basically, he's like, look, I'll run the Wildcats some. We'll figure some things out. I'm not going to let this freshman cost us this game. I'm not going to let a true freshman quarterback get himself into trouble. I'm going to win this game with defense because I can. Now, that takes incredible maturity and a lot of patience, and he did that. That is a very different situation. Now you're talking about a bowl game with three quarters of your team has opted out. Now, understandably, they got snubbed. They're angry. Guys got NFL futures. I'm not blaming everybody here. And I understand it's an exhibition game. And I get that a lot of these guys are like, man, I'm not trying to get hurt when I can get drafted in the third round, fourth round. And I'm not trying to get hurt when I'm going to transfer and start somewhere else. So I'm going to sit this one out. All right. Well, that, that's the new reality we find ourselves in. How do you call the game now? Well, you got nothing to lose. I mean, you're a 20 plus point underdog going into this game against Georgia because of all of that that has happened since the Louisville game ended. Let Brock play. Like, call the game and let him throw it around. Like, let's see. He's going to make mistakes. He'll probably throw a pick six if you do that, Tom. He probably will. Georgia doesn't suck. They've stockpiled recruiting class after recruiting class after recruiting class. They've got five stars everywhere. So even if they have 20 guys opt out of this game the way Florida State has, guess what? Their backups are better than your backups because of that successful recruiting over the course of over half a decade. So they've got one five-star replacing another five-star, replacing a four-star kid who's played a ton already, and he's now going to get his start. He's going to want it. So Brock's going to make mistakes against that kind of speed and athleticism. But you might as well let him do it. I mean, let's see if he can play. What good is it going to do you to turn and hand the ball off to Keziah Holmes behind a depleted offensive line? It's now second and 13. It's now third and 16. It's now you're running a screen because this is what we do, and then it's going to get blown up, and you're going to punt. You're not learning anything at that point. Throw on first down when it's a neutral down, when you have an opportunity to have success, where they have to play you honest. Let Brock Lynn play the game. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I can see that argument. I, I think 
whatever Mike does, and I'm not typically this guy, but I think however Mike plays it tomorrow, I'm okay with. If he's running it into the middle of the line and and he's not quote unquote learning anything, I think at that point he's telling us that during these bowl practices, he knows his team is so banged up or depleted that he's going to protect them, and and he decides to protect them. I know that sounds like a loser's mentality. I'm just saying that this has been a disaster of a month. Oh, it has. It's 100% a disaster of a month. It's been awful. The dynamics behind the scenes, there there could be a book written about this years later. And I'm not saying that I've got a ton of inside knowledge. All I know is that this can't be easy to manage that locker room right now. It's broken. Uh, Dudes have left. Guys are playing. Some dudes are playing through injuries. Some are opting out because they're going to go make millions of dollars at the NFL level. There are so many dynamics at play many of which I have no idea behind the scenes what's going on. So if Mike decides that I need to get out of here in as few plays as possible, I'm okay with it because I'm going to assume that behind the scenes, that's the best decision. My hope though, matches what you're calling for, which is cut it loose, baby. Let the kids play, let them have some fun, let them learn on the job. This is an opportunity where there are no stakes. If you lose, there's, there's nothing to lose in the situation. There's only an educational experience to be gained against an opponent like Georgia. I hope that's the way he calls it, but if he doesn't, then he's sending a message to everybody that's watching the game that guys we're beaten up. We're beaten up physically. We're beaten up mentally. And I got to protect these dudes. The question is whether you think you're protecting them by doing that. Are you protecting them by running it into the ground and trying to run the clock out and, you know, get out of there before the game even gets started? I, I think you come out and let them play a little bit early. And then if you find out they can't compete, then you realize, okay, we, we don't have the manpower to make this a game. Like, let's say you find out you can't block them. Well, then I'm not putting Brock Glenn in danger. Then, you know, I mean, if you can't block them, I'm not letting him sit back there and get killed. Well, so, you know, there's that. But early on, I don't know, man, I'm going to play to win the game early. Well, that's part of the dynamic here on offense, because, again, the defense is mostly intact, mostly intact. But offensively speaking, that offensive line was banged up like crazy the entirety of the season. Like, who's actually going to play in for how many snaps? And we've lost some backups. Like, so what's that five going to look like? And if that five is not the top line of the depth chart as we see it on Friday afternoon, then man, I, I think you got to <laughs> you got to get out of there as quickly as you can. But we'll see. It's, it's- we'll see. Yeah, what we're talking about, I, I can hear us. I hear it right now. I'm stepping outside the Jeff Cameron show, and I'm the guy driving down the road who's a diehard knoll who's, you know what, somewhat excited about going to the Orange Bowl and taking on Georgia. And I'm hearing that, and I'm like, listen to these guys. They don't – hey, guys, we, do, we don't blow smoke on the Jeff Cameron show. This is not what we do. We'll tell you right now. I think we're going to get blown the hell out. I said that weeks ago. I saw the writing on the wall with this disaster. After we got snubbed, I realized, oh, my God, people are going to run for the hills. They're psychologically broken. Your coach is angry. You're trying to cobble together a roster. You're trying to finish off a recruiting class and get some kids in the portal. You try to keep other kids from leaving. You've, your attention's on anything but this game. And it's we've watched this line. I mean, look, uh, you know, I'm friends. With, people know I like to gamble. I took Arizona last night to beat Oklahoma. I thought Arizona would care to be there, would want to play. It was desperate for Arizona to win the game. It's the antithesis of what Florida State's going into this game thinking about. It's we're not that team from a year ago. We were last year. We were last year against Oklahoma, ironically enough. This this is the opposite of what you would want going into a game. And I just, I hate it. And I was telling people, look, man, this thing's going to soar. I can't believe it's, I mean, it's gone into the 20s. Now you think about what this Florida State team is if they're fully intact. If this Florida State team has their starters playing in this game across the board. 
this is a Georgia minus three and a half. Mm -hmm. This is a, yeah. I mean, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, again, this Georgia team is capable of playing close game with Auburn the way Alabama was. So it's within range here for Florida state at full strength. At yeah, full strength. Win, at full strength, yeah. To win the ball game, and they could win it by multiple scores, and that would not be a like ten a ten point win for Florida State at full right. strength would not be a stunning result. No, not but, at full strength, but they are nowhere close to it. And, well, that's the thing, and and Mike will know the dynamics. I'm going to trust him in this situation. I'm not coming at this with a loser's mentality. If you can cut it loose, cut it loose. But I'm fascinated to see what Mike thinks of the situation and how he calls the game is going to tell you what he thinks of the situation. You'll know in the first quarter. Jeff Cambridge on 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV continues in a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hello there podcasters oh don't worry i won't prattle on for two minutes like i do with some of the other reads zaxby's doesn't demand it of me <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm -hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a Beer Giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just huh? make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. I watch the rain, it settle in, disappear for days again. Most of us will stay in a lazy like the sky. Across the wire, filtered through a million lies. The whole world smelled like burning tires. The day John died. Just such an interesting. I know but Libations Friday is a loosey goosey fun affair. I, it doesn't sound like it out the gates with us talking about Florida State likely getting blown the hell out against Georgia. But listen, again, I think you can have these conversations, like an internal dialogue. It's uh, it's it's really just us and the fan base huddled around the fire, having a, a a cocktail and talking about the future is the way I look at it. And I don't get mad about things like that. We're coming off a 13 and 0 season. I don't care if it's 60 to nothing or 24 21. If you lose the game, you're still 13 and one. That's what you are. You finish 13 and one. Then we all know it as something that is separate and apart. 
from the regular season and conference championships. So I always just look at this as kind of a nothing bowl game, unfortunately. And I hate this set of circumstances that led to us feeling that way. Everything from the snub by the committee, everything from college football in, in the midst of a massive transitional stage, which means there is real upheaval all over the country. I mean, these bowl games, I talked about it yesterday with Tom. These bowl games have been rendered useless. Most of them are exercises in in-game betting. And I have done exceptionally well. I am making money hand over fist right now because these bowl games, the kids tell on themselves, the coaches tell on themselves five and 10 minutes into the game, guys, you just sit down and watch with a discerning eye any of these bowl games and you'll see whether that under needs to be hit, whether because there's been a lot of games with inclement weather. And then also you'll find out who cares to be there. And most of the time you kind of know going in, like, again, I, I referenced it yesterday. South Florida was an underdog against Syracuse. How, in what world was Vegas thinking that was the smart line? How? Syracuse fired their coaching staff. USF's got a guy who just guided them in year one to a bowl game. They've been god-awful for years. That team was going to always care to play that game. That team was trying to go and make a statement. That never felt like it was going to be a game to me. So I bet them on the money line. And they won 45 to nothing. Now, I haven't won every bet. But what I have done is figured out Arizona-Oklahoma last night. Arizona cares to be there. They want to win the game. Oklahoma may play hard. It may be an interesting game. Arizona's going to win this game. And I got to give two? I got to give two? They won by 14. That's an easy rocking chair cover, guys. This has been fun, but that's the only reason it's been fun, is that you can make money on it. It's not the reasons that we cherish. I like making money, but it's not the same as caring about the overall health of the sport and watching these bowl games in a way in which you sit down and know both teams want to win. It's not true. It's not true right now. And the weirdest thing about our bowl game is I don't know that either team is really enthused about playing the game. I know Florida State's in shambles, and there are probably some young kids excited to get out on the field and play in an Orange Bowl, and it is a big deal in that sense. If you're a young kid, can you imagine you've been, you're one year removed from high school and your third string on the depth chart, and things play out in such a way that now you're going to suit up for the Garnet and Gold, the team you've always dreamt of playing for, that you've got a scholarship to play for, that you've been practicing with every day and never really getting into games unless they're blowouts or lopsided affairs against lesser teams. Maybe you've had a few plays here or there, and you're going to get to play in an Orange Bowl against Georgia. It's got to mean a lot. I'm not saying it doesn't to those kids. But in terms of the overall feel of what Florida State's got going into this game and their chances, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like they're excited to be there. And Georgia, how devastated is Georgia? They've lost like one game in three years, and they got told that not only are they not good enough to make the playoff because they narrowly lost to Alabama, but hell, they're not even better than Florida State. <laughs> the logic didn't fall. They fell all the way to sixth. What are they playing for? What are they playing for? I mean, yeah, if you're going to be Herb Street or the playoff committee and say it's about the best four teams and Georgia's not in the field, they've got a great argument for saying, why aren't we Why aren't we one Correct. of the four? Correct. You're telling me we're not one of the four. We've been number one all season long. Well, after a few weeks, uh, you know, they passed Michigan, and then that was – I think it was the Kentucky blowout, and then yeah, they were there. The yeah, yeah. 
You're telling me that out of our last 30 games, we've lost once and we're not one of the best four teams in the country? <laughs> because if the goal here is we, it's always been about the best four teams. Oh, boy. They've got a claim. Now, the, the issue is they've got better high school talent and they are champing at the bit to play. They're champing at the bit for this particular game. I'm worried we've about got, it. I'm, I'm worried about that aspect of it. Yeah. We've got some of that, but not as much as they do. No. But we've also, I mean, I don't know. This is just an unprecedented feeling for the fan base, and it's got to be unprecedented for the locker room. That's why I'm wishy-washy about the way that this game's going to play out, our motivation. I'm not holding anything against anybody tomorrow if they look lackluster or dispirited at some position groups. I'm not going to hold it against them. We as fans, we as fan media members like you and me, we're, we're a combo of the two. I still haven't shaken it off. Can you imagine... And, and for most of the fan base, that's true. Either you're more mad than you were that Sunday or you just you can't summon the energy and the butterflies like you normally would when you play Georgia. Oh, my God, you should be amped for this game. And it feels ugh. now imagine that you just put a year's worth of work, blood, sweat and tears, literally as a student athlete. And you're the one in that locker room that was told that you're not good enough. How are they going to summon the energy? It's just this is such a difficult ask for this roster. Whatever they do tomorrow is whatever they do. I'm proud of this group and the guys that are suiting up to go play, but we'll see, man. We'll see how much energy they truly have, especially those guys that are the starters and, and the veterans. I don't remind you, and, and people are wondering, like, well, Jeff, you say, what does Georgia have to play for? Well, listen, again, Tom's right about the fact that their young high school talent is greater than ours, so they'll be excited to play. And the other problem you have is their starting quarterback is starting. You've got a kid that's an NFL quarterback who's yeah. going to be starting against a depleted Florida State roster. Uh, I that that's That more than anything is the real problem, is that their starting quarterback decided to come back, A, and B, play. Really? Okay, great. Uh, that's problematic for us because <laughs> he's really good. Uh, the, the other thing is that I don't think and, and this probably changed, you know, on the day that it happened, it changed everything about the outlook of uh, this football game. I don't think anybody thought Tate Rodemaker was just not going to play. It was going to opt out at the last second. It was going to decide to enter the transfer portal on like Christmas day. Like, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, anything else going to go on here? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's the hard thing. Like you're going to be, we're going to do the pregame show tomorrow. That's at three o'clock. We're going to be looking at the thread, the reports from the press box as to who's exactly warming up versus what we see in the two deep. That's going to be interesting because look, if you tweak something or you're not a hundred percent and you're a Braden Fisk or you're, you mean like, yeah, or you're, or you're Tatum, like, man, do yourself a favor. I, it sounds so loser bloodish, but this is a this is a unique circumstance that Florida State finds itself in. If push comes to shove and you can't go at 100 percent, then go let a kid play. And that that kid might get smoked, but let Justin Cryer play at linebacker. Let Destin Hill and Hiking Williams go out there and ball and or to the best of their ability as close as they possibly can. Let Kaziah Holmes try to make a difference or Sam Singleton. You know, this would be 
uh, for him, another opportunity as a true freshman against Georgia. I don't know that Jakai needs to be out there for 12 targets. Let's let's give a couple of carries to Sam Singleton. Like I completely agree. When I saw that depth chart, I went, why? I don't need to see Jakai Douglas playing running back. That's asinine. There's no reason, zero reasons to have Jakai Douglas playing running back. He's never going to start for you at running back next year. He's never. That's just dumb. Don't do that. Let Singleton run the ball. Let some of the other kids run the ball. There's no reason to have him back there handing him the football. That's just silly. And I also, I'm with you on this. The only area I get excited to watch is the wide receiver position. If Hakeem Williams is going to play and play hard and be healthy and give it a go, if Destin Hill is going to be healthy and play hard and play smart, if you get the chance to see uh, Vendravius Jacobs, who's got all the ability in the world. He's backing up Darion Williamson. I mean, let Deuce Span and Vendravius Jacobs and Hiking Williams and those guys go out there and play. Let's see what we got because they're coming back and they've got a chance to be really good. Like, I, I you, you, you may have something there in those kids. And so if, you, if all of a sudden I'm watching Portier, Williams, Hill, Span, Jacobs, I get excited about that. I will – that's the only – that's why I say let him – let him let it fly. Yeah. You know, and let, let, let Brock Glenn let it ride. And just for again, for those of you that are driving around the area right now or listening on the podcast, we've got the, the two deep up on the screen. But the offensive line, as it's listed by Florida State, if the starters are true to form here, it's Darius at left tackle, Casey Roddick at left guard, Maury Smith at center, Demetri Emanuel at right guard, and Jeremiah Byers at right tackle. Now, Darius Washington is listed three times on the two deep at left tackle. He's primary backup at right guard and also at right tackle. So yeah, four times if you count that he's a starter at left tackle. That's true. Forgive me. Yes, he's he's in bold <laughs> as an or <laughs> with left tackle, right guard, and right tackle, but he's also your primary backup at center. He's not in bold at that position. So Darius. Get ready to play. It's almost like the Buster Posey game uh, where yeah. he's going to play every position. Maybe Darius will line up at quarterback at one point, too. But if that is your starting offensive line, you do have a chance to put some drives together if that's the one that, that's out there. But if you're seeing Armella and Early and some of the other players get out there in this game in God the second quarter, that's where you start to see uh, Kaziah. Let's let's run Kaziah out there. Maybe let's run a little Wildcat with Deuce Span and Kaziah. That might be fun. But if it holds that those veterans are out there for the bulk of the snaps, you can run an offense, and, and you can see what you can get out of Brock Glenn and those receivers. I'm going to give you a reason to have hope. Here you go, guys. When we come back here in just a second, I'm going to talk about somebody that I think Florida State has a very good chance to get, and it's a massive difference maker. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, welcome a new advertiser to the program. This one I like. Why do I like them? I used them. I already used them. Then they said, we want to be on with you, Cameron. Good, because I'm already using you. I'd like to save some money. I'm talking about Factor. Now, I could read a script. I have one here. The bustling holiday season. You're looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel your jam-packed days. Factor's America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. I'm not going to do that, though. I don't need to do that. I like not meal prepping. I like having a delicious meal before me in two and a half minutes out of a microwave prepped by a professional chef. It is delicious. Protein meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving in some cases. I could get the uh, low-calorie conscious meal if I want one, if I've overdone it for the week or something along those lines. I pick a different set of food items out of 35 prepared meals at the start of every week, and voila, it's at my front door. It's awesome. 
Head to Factormeals.com slash Cameron50 and use code Cameron50 to get 50% off. Doing you right, people. That's code Cameron50 at Factormeals.com slash Cameron50 to get 50% off. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Do you remember Regatha's It's such an uh, put in a shout out for my guys at Orange Theory Fitness. Um, got a good workout in yesterday. We're recovering from the holidays. It's time to start kind of gathering. I'm not going to lie, guys. I've overdone it this holiday season. I have eaten everything there is to eat and then gone back for seconds. I've done it two and three and four times. It's been ridiculous. I have been a fat piece of garbage sitting around watching football all hours of the night, just stuffing my face, stuffing my face out of sorrow for what's happened to this football program, thanks to the committee. And I need Orange Theory Fitness now more than ever, and so do you. Luckily, there are two locations, north side here where by where I live, over there by the Fresh Market, and then also in Midtown. Orange Theory Fitness right now, best offer you're going to get. Best off you're going to get. This is like when they first opened and they were doing all those specials. That's what they've got going on right now through the new year. Go by and see our friends at Orange Theory Fitness. Science-backed workout. It works. It's not no mumbo-jumbo. We think this is going to – no, no. It's interval training. It's what FSU uses. This is the kind of thing that you know you're going to get results. Orange Theory Fitness. All right. That was kind of more of an admission than a commercial read. But uh, I have – I've been ridiculous, Tom. Um, I haven't – been oh, as much because you know moving in the holidays right yeah. after you know signing day and then fsu's like hey by the way we're going to call a board of trustees meeting because we're going to sue the acc all right there's been a lot going on i cannot regulate my temperature today I'm, buddy it is like 75 degrees in this house it's warm for for being 45 degrees outside it's warm in here and i've got three layers on i cannot regulate it's ridiculous. Well, that's that's uh that's sickness tom <laughs> <laughs> that is called sickness. And by the way, I think it's interesting that you're in New York. And as I sit here in Tallahassee, Florida this morning doing this show with you, it is currently 40. 40? It is, it is 40. And uh, I would also note that uh, the low this morning was 36. The low tomorrow is 34. Yeah, it's 47 here. Warmer oh, than you are. Colder in Tallahassee, Florida than it is in New York right now, everybody. Uh, nice. Kind of funny that that worked out that way. Well, we we needed it because we had nothing but heat lately. Um, all right. So I said before the break that I had some good news for you as my left ear itches beyond reason. What is going on? Who's talking Anyhow, about you? What would you say? Your ears are burning. Who's talking about you right now? Yeah. Um, we got a guy. We got a guy that we're targeting and unfortunately, everybody knows who he is, and so they, too, are targeting him. Everybody from Colorado, some say Alabama, certainly Louisville and others. Um, but if you haven't seen him, go take a gander at the highlight reel of Purdue's Nick Scorton. This is a man off of the defensive end position who, if Florida State is to get, is a Huge, immediate impact player game wrecker at defensive end. This is, in a way, guys, 
a replacement for Jared Verse, and it may not be a downgrade. You may have a player that is as good, maybe better than Jared Verse. And that is saying something because I respect the hell out of Jared Verse. But go look at Nick Scorton. He is six foot four, 280 pounds, led the Big Ten in sacks. They couldn't block him. He had big games against the best competition. There are a lot of good offensive lines in that conference. I will give the Big Ten that. That is uh, an interesting effort from Florida State to bring in and continue this streak of amazing defensive end prospects that since the portal has become a thing, Florida State has led the way in bringing in the best of the best. If you want to go back to Jermaine Johnson, we talk about Keir Thomas, we talk about the guys that they've brought in, obviously Jared Verse, and now potentially uh, this kid from Purdue, uh, Nick Scorton, I think is how you say his name, uh, or Scourton, he is a stud. And if they get him, and there's a really good chance they're going to get him, I'm not giving you a guarantee, but there's a very good chance that they're going to get him. If they do, understand that you are filling a massive hole with an elite player. Check the box, move along. That would be huge, and I do think we could find that out relatively soon. So the hard part when you're breaking something like this down is to say, all right, you're done at this position because the NCAA says anybody can leave anytime, go anywhere. Which it's I'm pure, I mean, this is ridiculous. They got to get a handle on this, but yes. It's pure anarchy at that point. However, with that said, we've got to work with what we have before us on the sheet. You know, who's who's on Seminoles.com is officially a part of Florida State's roster at this moment on right. December the 29th. If you were to land this kid and you do retain your players up the middle in Daryl Jackson and Josh Farmer. That's big Patrick if. Newton, big if. Again, this thing is ridiculous and fluid. Yeah. But if you retain those two dudes, you have Peyton coming back and this guy, and your top rotational defensive end is Marvin Jones Jr., in addition to Gilbert Edmond and Byron. I mean, all of a sudden, this defensive line turns into a beastly defensive line and a defensive they, rotation. And they and they would be a worthy successor to the one that we saw close out this regular season. If you yeah. can do all of those things, and we'll see, but if you can land all of those pieces – Buddy, the projections, the expectations, all of it for 2024 get ratcheted up really quickly. It's exciting to think about what they could be. I, I do. It's necessary. I would probably protect myself at this point if I were Florida State and go get another defensive tackle because I don't know what's going to happen with those kids. You got It's hard to know what's going to happen with with Farmer and, and Jackson and Peyton. All those guys kind of make noise for all the wrong reasons all the time. I'm not talking about anything abhorrent i'm not talking about crimes or anything i'm just talking about they're very fickle kids and, and their commitment is always in question so i i think i would i would probably go get another defensive tackle but you're right if you can get this kid and some semblance of what you just laid out there is your defensive line next year uh yeah you're gonna be all right there i i they've got to go find a way um to get a linebacker in here. They don't have one right now. They've got to target one. I thought they dropped the ball. I didn't get a chance to talk about this because we were off the air. Uh, but the Dumas kid from Georgia, who, who ended up at Kentucky, Tom, mm -hmm. was a Butkus Award finalist uh, at Georgia. Had over 70 tackles. And somehow we didn't see fit to go after this kid. Uh, we didn't think that he needed to come to Florida State, and he ends up at Kentucky. This this situation at linebacker has come to a head, and you guys know how I feel about that situation. I, I I think both from a recruiting standpoint, a coaching standpoint, and then also in a portal 
uh, situation. I, I don't think that we're armed uh, the way we need to be uh, within the coaching staff uh, to go get the best players at that position. And I would assess that situation very carefully if I was Mike uh, and, and be aggressive in the offseason. Uh, he's shown a willingness to do that. You remember Woodson. Uh, they moved on from him and, and they brought in Sertan. Uh, I think they need to do something similar, in my opinion, at linebacker right now because this is – it's a little untenable, in my in, in my opinion. Now, let's see. Do they go out and get um, another offensive lineman? Would you agree that's got to be another selection here? They got to get another offensive lineman. They don't have enough right now in the two deep. Yeah, I agree. Now, the thing is that you've got a visit window for the portal next week. It's after New Year's. Um you know, things are so fluid that kids could leave at any time, but the portal windows are the portal windows. So when you're talking about roster projections for the spring, you got to be enrolled in order to be able to participate yeah, in spring yeah. practice. So we are going to get some clarity in a very murky time for college athletics in about two weeks. And remember that if they don't go get that offensive lineman or, or if linebacker is not addressed before spring practice, there is going to be another window in which you can address these issues. Yeah. I think for those two position groups, it's not critical that you have to have an answer now. If you've got a great opportunity, then go sure. land a kid. But you're you're trying to bring in a veteran. And so I would think a veteran can be a summer enrollee, work his, his way up through fall camp and be ready to go for Dublin when we go play Georgia Tech. That's fine. But when you're trying to land pieces that are going to be multi-year solutions here, the sooner the better. And, and we'll see what happens over the next week. Now, like you said, you've got a perfect opportunity here with a kid out of Purdue that can help you right away, and you got to land him, and you got to land him now. But if they don't have all of the solutions in you know two weeks' time, and you roll into spring and there are some open position groups like linebacker doesn't have all the answers, you still have another window where you can go capitalize. And there's also the old-school thing, which is graduate transfers, too. You do. I think you want to get everybody here in the spring as best possible. We all know you want those reps. You want to be able to get kids indoctrinated to your system and, and have them learning in the spring so that they can hit the ground running in the fall as opposed to learning when they first get here in the fall and then they're behind when the season starts. So I agree with you. You do have a window there, especially if you get a veteran player. But I, I, I would hope that we can make a little headway here in that next week that you're talking about and grabbing some of these veteran players. I, I'm, I'm, I'm desperately hoping we get the, the Nick kid uh, from, from Purdue. I'm desperately hoping that there's maybe another defensive tackle or offensive lineman in there. And of course, I'm just going to, it's the obligatory linebacker discussion. Uh, every time I do a show, uh, it, it's, it's, it, it'd be nice to see that happen. Well, the other hard part is that we said this yesterday, buckle up for the next week. I mean, as if you haven't buckled enough uh, seatbelts in, in the last month, if you're a Florida state fan, but coming out of this game, when the game is over, those first 24 to 48 hours, it feels like it never ends because it does never truly end in this age of college football. Once that game is played, you're going to get some clarity about, you know, kids that are currently on the roster, kids that are going to put on the path tomorrow, whether or not they want to be a part of, you know, Florida State in 2024. So I think it's going to get a little worse again before it gets better. Just trying to prepare everybody mentally for that. I think it's important to, and I, I, I this is the final thing we'll say on this before we get into hour number two, but the the job requirements are changing for coaches right now. First thing I'll say, if I'm a head coach in college football, or first thing I'll say about being a head coach in college football right now is no, thanks. No, thanks. I have zero desire to do this. If this is the landscape, if this is what we're doing and, and I got to re, re, re recruit a kid every hour on the hour, 
Uh, I got to take phone calls at, you know, nine o'clock in the morning on Christmas day about kids leaving. I got to, I got, you know, this, this is not for me. If I have an opportunity to go to the NFL, I'm going to the NFL where the rosters are secured. We sign people to multi-year deals. I don't have to worry about whether or not Rogers coming to work tomorrow. Uh, we're we're going to be all right. That said, not everybody has that option. And if you are going to coach college football and you are tasked with the responsibility of putting together a good roster and going out and winning football games next year, one of the things Mike has to do now is keep people from overreacting to individual situations within a 24 to 48-hour period of bad news. And this would classify as that. If they go out and get blown out tomorrow, there will be emotions. Wins and losses happen for a reason. I say it all the time. And they elicit emotions. Mike's primary job at that point is to say and get these kids to understand that's not who we are. You know that. Who we really are is that 13 and 0 club that's climbed to a place that can be amongst the college football elite for the foreseeable future. I need you coming back next year because you're my guy at this position and you're going to help lead the way. So he's got a lot of massaging to do over the next 72 hours or so to see if they can get kids to calm down and refocus. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with.